Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mystery on the rocks, oh yeah. Mystery on the rocks, yeah. Mystery on the rocks, yeah. And welcome to another episode of Mr. on the Rocks, the show that takes... Unsolved mystery. What, what does it do? <laughs> what? It takes... It takes... It takes, uh, takes them. What, what do we do? What do we do? It takes unsolved true mysteries and cocktails and hosts and that talk about them <laughs> to you. Hello. Yay. Um, and with me as always is the fantastic Suze Kempner. I'm Masood. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, Thank you for With me is uh, Suze Kempner. Fuck off. <laughs> That's a pretty good Logan. That was. Um, and, fuck off. Uh, Chris Stokes. Uh, hello. Do it. You do one, Chris. Uh, from su- what? Uh, a Logan. A succession fuck character. Off. Okay. Do a succession yeah. fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, I'm a suit. Do it. Oh, wait, wait. Hang on. Fuck off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like the fact that like loads of our listeners won't listen to succession, won't watch succession. They'll go, oh, I guess someone says fuck off a lot in it. And we're Is like, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An awful yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Can I tell you something? Um, I've rolled up my pajama leg, mm. uh, and uh, I haven't shaved my legs since before I left the Maldives, and it's uh, it never happens. I'm really like, entertained by my hairy legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Are and we going to catch you? Are we going to catch you mid-show twisting them in your, between your fingers and, then, and yeah, looking little, I like? <laughs> imagine if I'm like plaiting them and all the way up here <laughs> to the top of the screen. That's really weird. I've never like left my legs this long. Having never ever shaved my legs. Like yeah. I don't know the growth rate of leg hair, so like I can't quantify. Depends it. on the person. Mm. So Me. I can't. I can't... Very very fast. <laughs> so are they like? Are they like, are they proper like leg beards now? Or no, no. they're like. Hang on, you might even not even. Nah, I can't see. I think it'd be quite tough in the light. Yeah. No, no I couldn't tell. Can't yeah, even see it's not like. I can see from if here. If you want to see They're Suze's like... hairy legs, uh, you get on the top two <laughs> on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Mr. We're going to see how many of you up your pledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you met other things you can see on, if you go on a Patreon, a video where there's a bra on my bed. <laughs> a what? <laughs> Which I didn't notice till A whoa, 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 what? Oh, a dirty oh, little bra. <laughs> there's somebody out there listening and uh, their eyes pop out like the mask. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Their jaw yeah, drops down jaw on the drops, table. Tongue rolls out. Ooh. They turn to that wolf. And then they and then they float uh, across the from their house across because someone's made dinner across <laughs> the, to the kitchen. Pie. Yeah, yeah. The, so uh, what are we drinking? Ooh, yeah. What do you got, Chris? It's uh, nameless at the moment, so maybe you can help me. 
Mm-hmm. It's whiskey from the Lake District uh, Distillery, so it's English whiskey, mm-hmm. and it's orange wine cask finish. Oh, so uh, I was gonna—I I learnt what orange wine is and forgotten. It's not orange flavored. Uh, it's orange to do wine. with the type of grape, I think. Yeah, All right. is it usually sweeter? Orange it's wine like a... is also known as skin contact white wine. It's basically, I think, the white wine grapes, but with the skin left on. Think. Oh, I see. Okay, oh. so it probably gives a more robust flavour. Yeah, the grape skins are not removed. Robust. I Fuck quite like. Um, I quite like <laughs> orange wine. I've had it a, a few times. Yeah. Have you? I've never heard of it. So it's um. So yeah, orange wine casks. Uh, the whiskey is finished in those. Oh. And then two parts that, one part ginger gin liqueur, mm. uh, a couple oh. of dashes of orange bitters, an orange twist in there, and. Hey. Uh, three drops of maple syrup mm. oh i like that that sounds really tasty actually <laughs> me likey <laughs> it's very nice it's very very nice i kind of uh, the, uh, like i was flashed back to keenan and Cal. for some reason i want to call it orange soda but there's no soda <laughs> in it so you no. can't call it that um no, so yeah it's yeah. not got a name uh, it's sort of a, it's sort of like a twist on a whiskey mac and uh, a whiskey mac is whiskey and ginger wine mm-hmm um, okay. ginger, ginger I hate liqueur. ginger, so that uh, uh, count me out, but I can appreciate. It. I'm not going to go like, yuck, no thanks. That sounds disgusting. Um, I only don't. Can like we call it Return of the Mac? <laughs> maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe that could be it. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a no, Masood. Keep trying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not that. that yeah, yeah, not that. <laughs> um, what are you drinking, Suze? Me. Well, oh. what have we got here? It looks like it looks like a, a got milk glass of milk. It's got milk. This is a uh, a Amarula citrus cream. Oh, um, I bought Amarula having seen it duty free at every fucking airport I've been to in the last month, which mm-hmm. is a few. One, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's no. A few. It was a few. I've been Edinburgh, Gatwick, yeah. Dubai. Bloody Maldives Airport is just fucking shit. Mm. Anyway, every airport in duty free, they've got Amarula, and that's the only place I've noticed Amarula. Okay. Yeah, it's from the Marula uh, tree, which is uh, has fruit. It's also um, it's like a Bailey's but with vanilla and this Marula tree fruit in it. Yeah, it's like a spiced African creamy. Drink. Okay. So it's that mm-hmm. with it's two parts that one part Grand Marnier. They actually said triple sec, but all I had was Grand Marnier. Ah, that's fine. Um, and then I and then orange bitters. So I've done that, and I'm gonna taste it. Mm. Oh, that's so much nicer than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's because that it, is. Yeah, it does look like a glass of milk. Is it like? And we were saying earlier, the milk. inside of an orange cream chocolate. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fucking is. Whoa, like a like yeah. a like a. a and oh, you mean like a because like a, of the Grand Marnier? There's mm. even like that dark chocolate. <gasps> I've got that dark chocolate rum. Whoa. Then you made oh, a so quality like street, haven't you? You made a quality street. I'm literally street making cream. quality streets yeah. again. Right. It's like that, that, you mean don't that box of like wires, either either that or like those that box of um what's it? Don't 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 do the mystery without me. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? We just start off with that. It's um yeah, when like, she gets some... back, when she puts her earphones in, be halfway through listing the Patreon stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. You can find us on Twitter, <laughs> you can find us on... What were you gonna say? We're talking about the drink. Oh no! I was gonna say like you know those um we just got like a whole box of um yeah chocolate things that had that in it basically like yeah. cream chocolate um what's it cream orange cream like chocolate, fondant whatever. creams I don't usually eat chocolate because I'm not really a I don't really have a sweet tooth 
But um, I think it's because my mum didn't have any sweets in the house, which is quite depressing. Uh. But the thing is, though, is that, you know, there's... And uh, you can join us on the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Mystery on the Rocks. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Boys! Shut the fuck up! Sorry, that took ages because both of my cats, when I got down there, both of my cats wanted to go out, but they like to go out of different doors. Uh, A a, a princely goof. Princely uh, goof from the old cats and the boys. That's a lot of that room. That is a lot. I've added just a splash. I thought you were like going to put a hint in for the chocolate taste. No, 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 full extra shot. Hang on. All right, okay. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Mm. That you wish you you wish you were me drinking my drink. And what it could do with, I reckon actually the triple sec would be better because it's a slightly sweeter, sharper flavour than Grand Marnier. Anyway, that's that is really nice. Hmm. Yep, Amarula. And the name? It Amarules. Uh, oh, it's called a uh, a Amarula citrus cream. Oh yeah, it was. But oh. you just added the chocolate. Yeah, so now leftover Christmas chocolate. Uh, or, oh, I orange like that. quality street. What were you going to call it? Leftover I like Christmas leftover Christmas chocolate. Leftover Christmas chocolate. Like Boom! That. But it wouldn't be in my house because I like the orange ones. Nice. Yeah, that's, yeah. Some of the, that's the first ones. one to go. That's the, Strawberry and jo- that's the thing. I tweeted, uh, oh, I'm down to the last of the Christmas chocolate now. And just my re- my replies are just full of everyone saying what they must be. And I don't know why it annoyed me because it's just people trying to engage. But you're like, no. I like the strawberry ones. Yeah. No, I like the fudge miniature heroes. Yeah, Shut yeah. the fuck up. Yeah, but it's, yeah, exactly. The reason it annoys you is because they sometimes they're really emphatic and they're like, they're yeah. rank, and it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. some people like. It's them. obviously the bounties. I, I like bounties. <laughs> Masood, what are you drinking? Uh, this is this is very simple. Um, uh, as as I mentioned before, I um I had a I've had a long day. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this is this is quite a strong one. This is um called a gin and it but it Ooh, is capitalized that's a good name. so it's oh. gin and um it it so it's gin and Ooh, sweet vermouth of... a little bit of um oh, orange okay. bitters oh my god our periods of sync <laughs> <laughs> so it is uh it's short for italian so it's a gin and italian is essentially the name mm. of it and uh yeah it's like a old old Fairly old drink, actually, like a fairly old okay. classic, co- classic in inverted commas cocktail. But then it sort of nice. fell out of favor in the eighties when both gin and vermouth fell out of favor in the cocktail world. Did no they? one really drank them? I didn't in the know 80s. that. Because so gin and tonic wasn't a thing. Uh, was like out of fashion. I think it was like it still. Pe- it definitely fell into that category of like, oh, only bitter old ladies drink gin and tonic. I see. I remember that all the way through the nineties. A friend of mine's mum would drink gin and tonic all the time, and in my head, yeah. that never. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't in bars, but in my head, that felt like even somehow socially, I was. I felt like that was a weird thing to drink gin and yeah. tonic. It didn't seem like a done thing. Um, and then sort of it's only at least towards the late 90s and then when I started drinking I'm like oh fucking everyone drinks gin and tonic yeah I remember getting gin and tonics when I was at uni Mm. but I'd have like one and then another one an hour and a half later I used to really space it out yeah I remember my first (laughs) gin and tonic Mm. it was was like revelatory yeah Yeah, same I had my first one at uni it was like this is the most refreshing thing I've ever tasted Mm. it was it's very good it's like I cannot believe how well these two things go yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. They it's, are it's a, gin, almost a gin and tonic. Like, sometimes I'm in a pub and if they've got cocktails on the menu, I go, ooh, yeah. And then I, I should just get a gin and tonic. Yeah. It's yeah. half the price. It's, they're always good. There are good. some people that have insist they don't like the tonic. 
so they have gin and lemonade, and I find that that's revolting, unbearable. It's, it is, I, it's I disgusting. I can drink gin and lemonade, but gin and tonic, man. No, it's always gin and tonic. Always they go together. Gin and tonic. Absolutely, like uh, like pizza and ice cream. Um, Chris, <laughs> what do you have for us today? Uh, yeah, Yay! so today is the assassination murder, one of the two, one of, of the two, Gareth yes. Jones. Gareth, Gareth Jones. Jones. Who was Gareth Jones? Gareth Jones was a Welsh journalist. Okay. He right. he was born in Barry. Barry. Yeah, Barry. In 1905. Okay. I know it's a real year, but it always feels like a fake year. You know, <laughs> like it just it seems like a year somebody would say, and you'd be like, "What an amazing thing then. to say!" It's, I know exactly I know what you mean year. when you said yeah. that. But I was like, that's never been vocalised before. <laughs> I know it's a real weird. This is like okay, this is weird, right? This might just be me, but the, what you've just done there is you've awakened something in my brain, which mm. is I think of timelines in decades as lines, but some of them are horizontal and some of them are vertical. Yes. Yeah. yeah do you yeah. do that as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. So tens Hang on, like, wait, that's you vertical. Think of... That's vertical. Yeah, those, goes... those they're marked vertical. So I have I have uh, how does it work for me? Hang on a minute, I'm thinking about it. Nineteen hundred to nineteen ten, nineteen ten yeah. to nineteen twenty, then nineteen twenty goes down, then nineteen thirty oh. to forty is across, forty to fifty is across, fifty to sixty is across, but sixty to seventy is down, seventy to eighty is across. It's weird. Oh. Why does my brain do that? Yeah, because I think it's like it's probably event based, isn't it? Is it, there'll be something in that that happens there? What makes my brain decide that one goes up, one goes down, and one goes across? I just don't get it. Yeah, let I us know if you're that. listening to this podcast. Let us know if your brain does that as well, because I've never mentioned that before to anyone. I I see a year as like um, and this I know exactly where I, this I got this from. When I was in primary school, they had the school year out on a on like a pie chart, and they had the the term time and the summer holidays. And the, and this teacher would move like a clock. He'd move the fucking thing around so we'd know where we were in the year. And ever since then, that's exactly how I think of my year. When I think of June and July, I think of the arrow in the holidays. I'm like, it's fucking holiday time. <laughs> it's fucking summer holidays. It's not. I've never, I haven't had summer holidays for fucking nearly 20 years. But <laughs> I'm still like, yeah. Um, but no, I know what you mean about the vertical so, thing. Where it so goes strange. Down. Um, so yes, uh, yeah. Gareth Jones, our man Gareth, Gareth Jones, was born in Barry, Gareth Jones. 1905. He became eventually a journalist. He taught for a little bit, and after graduating, he taught like languages at Cambridge. Um, and then okay. in 1930, so at the age of uh, 25, uh, 20, 25, he mm. that was one was hired. easy. That do, it made it sound like I was a genius. That one was so easy. I was like 1905, <laughs> 30. Well, no, I actually, could do this. So don't do yourself down because you started from a made-up year. So. Is, that's true <laughs> I could have said any I could have said any age I would have been right <laughs> he was hired as foreign affairs advisor to British MP and former Prime Minister our friend David Lloyd George oh. Hey, oh. Uh, this involved preparing notes and briefings that Lloyd George would use in debate article speeches and also when travelling abroad just oh, quickly yay. you said debates article speeches is that something that still happens with like it feels like that they've really they've sort of taken that out where they're just like nah you don't need to do debates anymore you just mm. do, sit there and be right all the time even though you're wrong no Fuck I guess him. like <laughs> maybe in parliament sort of like oh, I suppose so yeah. Uh, yeah oh yeah we uh, never stopped debating these days oh. Gareth Jones would sort of like give him things to bring up and say oh okay yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually not sure whether this implies that he had political leanings 
to the conservative side or whether or not he was it was just a job you know what i mean and he yeah. was just a, i just feel like politics has changed so much that it's hard to say i f- yeah i feel yeah. like there are definitely people who are just jobbing you know what I mean? Like, it feels like there's a, like, yeah, I'll just do that for well, a there job. Is, there's like, a lot of lefty journalism graduates that will take a job at the Daily Mail because it's, yeah. an, entry, it's an entry-level job. And, it gets yeah. and less competition because no one wants to write for them. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So um, you go, yeah. he graduated from Aberystwyth, then worked for, taught for a little bit. Uh, obviously, he's multilingual as well, so that, um, mm-hmm. that's, that, that, that feeds into what he then went on to do because in 1929, he also became a professional freelance reporter and he was writing articles for a lot of newspapers and journals, including the Manchester Guardian, yeah. which is what the Guardian was called back then. It was still called the mm-hmm. Manchester Guardian. Oh, so it started in Manchester. I did not know that. Mm. Mm. 200 years ago. Yeah. It also had a bit of a... Do I, as I understand it, didn't the Guardian at one time, wasn't it against the uh, abolition of slavery? Oh, God. <laughs> when that came around. They're like, no, really? no, no. We yeah. need to... I'm pretty sure. Oh, I that's read that. bad. I'm pretty sure I read that. Anyway, after teaching for a bit, advising to the David Lloyd George, he was also at that at doing concurrently. He was a journalist. Now, uh, in late January, early February, 1933, he was actually in Germany, covering the rise to power of the Nazi Party, and he was in Leipzig the very day Hitler was appointed Chancellor. Holy shit! Wow, Whoa. that's talk about being a part of history. Yeah, Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. history. Holy shit. Jeez. He was actually he actually flew a few days later in the Richthofen, which was right. plane the like Germany's Air Force One, I guess. Whoa! Um, at the time, and he became one of the first foreign journalists to fly with Hitler, and he accompanied Hitler and Goebbels to Frankfurt, where he reported for the Western Mail on the new Chancellor's tumultuous acclamation in that city. Fucking hell. That wow. is, that's mad. Imagine, I mean, like, I don't he want wrote, to imagine being yeah. there, but imagine being there. That would be <laughs> fucking mad. He wrote in the Welsh Western Mail that if that plane had crashed, the history of Europe would have changed dramatically. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I said on a, I think I said on a recent episode, like, if you, like, would you kill baby Hitler? And, like, the culture was exactly correct for someone, yeah. like, exactly right for someone like Hitler to emerge. Hmm. So would there have been a different guy? Yeah, I think maybe like, not. I think if if it had happened and that plane had gone down with mm. um, uh, Goebbels and Hitler on it, mm. yeah, then yeah, Himmler, Goering, Bormann—they like, all wanted it. They yeah. loved it. Would they it's, have had the um, what's the word like the ugh, like the vision of Hitler? Would they have like yeah, it probably could have been. It probably would have been worse. Towed to other world leaders. Well, and and Hitler. I, he was single-minded in what he wanted, and and of being like of Germany being a world superpower. He mm. loved that idea, but he also was so a little bit like Boris Johnson, mm. who Dominic Cummings, bay, um, <laughs> to, he, he calls Johnson the shopping trolley because what he does is just careens around banging off things. Yes, and uh, he doesn't actually have a direction he yeah. wants to go, and he just goes, "What what idea have you got?" Brilliant, we'll do that. We'll do that one, yeah. Bang into that. What idea have you got? Oh, brilliant, we'll do that. And th- there's something a little bit of that in Hitler, which I think yes. a lot of people wouldn't expect. He wasn't actually that tactical. No, uh, I think he that... He just knew what he wanted. In a strange way, he sort of burned bright and fast. In yeah. His, in his sort of rage. Masood loves him. Yeah. <laughs> but he like, burned bright, but, but fast. But I he guess by that I mean... any. 
But that, I mean, is that like his whole thing ran out of steam and like, everyone's like, so what ideas yeah. do you have? And he's like, I don't. And it's like, oh, so you're a fucking crazy person. Okay. What thanks. do you think we should do? Yeah, we'll do that. It's yeah. that kind of thing. So um, I think uh, that kind of was a, a benefit to Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah like I know that. what you mean. Rather it's, than it's, he was like, if he was this quite like, yeah, careful, quite astute. A, a careful thinker. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Very. Maybe like, it wouldn't have happened. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like, I know we've just done three episodes on the rise of the Nazis. Mm. Yeah. That's almost just like a side note because this mm. has really nothing to do with Hitler or the Nazis. Okay. okay. That's, that, all I'm saying is that that is how. This like, is where he got to in his Prominent career. a journalist yeah. he was. Yeah. The age of 28, 27 even. Because uh, oh, it was early right. 33. Yeah. And he'd already taught at Cambridge. He'd already advised a former oh, British know. Prime Minister. And now he's... And part of this would have been how great he was as a linguist. Because mm. oh, right. he'd go and work abroad. And I mean, a lot of other people could do that. But if you're an incredible linguist and incredibly intelligent and can write engagingly, yeah. Yeah. you'll have a great career as a journalist. Certainly at this well, time. Well, so yeah. He was... In Germany, yes, in uh, in 1933. He'd been in the Soviet Union twice before, and then in March 1933, he went again. Um, now, the Soviet Union, this you is like where we're going to rewind. It's very nice. <laughs> this is where we're going <laughs> to rewind to the beginning of our series with Rasputin and the Romanovs. The, oh! The Soviet Union was obviously kind of officially... For, it was 1922. So, mm. although it was rooted in the revolution from 1917, when the Bolsheviks overthrew the provisional government who had in turn deposed the Romanovs mm. yeah. and the Tsar and the Tsarina. The Russian Soviet Republic was the world's first constitutionally guaranteed socialist state. But it then mm. rose into escalated into a civil war between the Bolshevik Red Army and anti-Bolshevik forces. Because it was still not long after the Russian Empire, so yeah. there were people that didn't want the change that happened, but they ultimately lost. Mm-hmm. The Bolsheviks, the October Revolution 1917, the Bolsheviks were led by Lenin, uh, mm-hmm. overthrew that provisional government and then took control. And then 1922, balance of power shifted, Bolsheviks merged victorious, forming the Soviet Union with the unification of the Russian, Transcaucasian, Ukrainian and Bielorussian republics. Ah. That's sort of where we are. Lenin obviously died not long after that. Lenin's mm-hmm. like a totemic figure in Russian history. But, but he, he was actually he only... He was leader for two years. Yeah, <laughs> it's not very long. Yeah, really. it's mad, isn't it? He, so, he is as famous as Stalin, really. Yeah, well, but he's, he's barely historical. there comparatively. Yeah, yeah so mm. Stalin's reign was much longer because yeah. Stalin succeeded Lenin. So Lenin yes. was 1922 yes. to 1924 and then Stalin Jeez. became... All the way through, uh, World War, up to, up to, through World War II as well. Yeah. After that, Cold War, after 1953. That, yeah. oh, all, all the way to the 50s, 50s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, Stalin... Oh, shit, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's like almost 30 years. Fuck me. It's crazy. He came to Peru in 1924, Stalin. This is also, by the way, I think Stalin's first appearance in this season. Ah, hey! hey. Guest starring Stalin. Like an American sitcom, he walks in and everybody goes... And he goes, great all the avocados. (laughs) Masood, uh, I'm going to just instruct you to Google young Stalin. Oh, yeah. There we go. Mm -hmm. Be prepared, my good man. What, for the fucking FBI to kick my door in? (laughs) (laughs) No, for that lamb's tail to... (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) That lamb's tail. (laughs) My goodness, young Stalin. I think my favourite favorite is the side-on one. He kind of looks like... I don't know who he looks like. There's a very... Hang on. I'm going to side-on. 
It's See, very hipster. Yeah. It's very, very hipster. I know. I he's, I, and I'm a sucker for like good hair. Oh, it's very good. He's doing. He's got. A, he's got one in profile like that, and it is stunning. Oh yeah! Look at that. <laughs> My goodness. It that is. could be a headshot. A musical <laughs> theatre headshot. It is ding dong. <laughs> Have you seen the Look one where, uh, where he's, where, where, where he's posing in pants and he's got tattoos on? <laughs> oh yeah oh, oh my god it's That's obviously photoshopped <laughs> I was like shit man death find I did start uh, I did start scrolling down I found it here we go modern young Stalin <laughs> <laughs> that is very good he was Stalin was a fox This is also basically a recap into where we are at the in the early 30s. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Stalin obviously suppressed all political opposition to his rule within the Communist Party. And by inaugurating a command economy mm-hmm. type of economic system where investment production and the allocation of capital goods takes place according to economy-wide economic plans and production plans, it the country underwent like such rapid industrialization. Mm. Um, right. which saw economic growth riot skyrocket. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But what it, it did also do, it expanded the gulag labour camp system. Ah, uh, yes. And in 1932 to 1933, there was a man-made famine. Do you know anything about the Soviet famine of 1932 to 1933? Well, it's kind of famous, but I don't know how it occurred. Or... Yeah, I, like, I, I know, know a lot of people it, died, like a lot like... of people died. So it died. was um, famine in the major grain-producing areas of the Soviet Union, which included the Ukraine, the North Caucasus, Volga region, which I've never heard of, Kazakhstan, the South Urals, which I believe is where the Dyatlov Passage that took place oh, uh, yeah. 20, 20 odd years later, yeah. And also in West Siberia. So, and is it because of the rapid industrialization? Um, that they call it a, they call it a man-made famine. So, so is that? But um, did that play a part in that? Because like I imagine, like, hey, we're going to build all these factories and do all this stuff, and it's like well, we've got to feed everybody to do that, and it's like, oh, well, we do we have enough crops to do that with? And then so a lot of uh, yeah. So one of the main one of the main causes was the forced collectivization in the yes. Soviet Union, the collectivization mm. in the agricultural sector. Um, through communism because they're like it's uh, everybody's uh, now yeah. and it was yeah. it was but it was part of the first five-year plan uh, uh there was forced grain procurement combined with rapid industrialization decreasing agricultural workforce and like a lot of bad yeah. try mentioning that when a, when an interviewer tells you, you go, what's your five-year plan you're like industrialization baby and then we're gonna have a man-made famine it's gonna be great do you know how many people died in it like a lot I'd say in the millions. Oh, it's in the millions, yeah. Easily. 5.7 to 8.7 are estimated to have lost their lives. See, this is why I probably won't just post a picture of young Stalin and go, ladies, take a look at young Stalin, because someone will go, I think you'll find a lot of people died on his watch. Yeah, but look at those sideburns. But honey, he was like Samantha from saying, honey, he was a snack. (laughs) You 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 could cut cheese off those cheekbones, darling. (laughs) <laughs> Stalin and other party members had ordered that the kulaks, which were, um, it's a horrible word, but pe- the peasant class. Yeah. Um, but who still owned acres of land. Yes. yes. As, uh, my favourite ever tweet is someone who went, who put in quote marks, Jeremy Corbyn, you can't just keep pointing at people in the north and calling them kulaks. And then <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn points at person, kulak. <laughs> 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 so 
Stalin and other party members ordered that they were to be liquidated as a class. Shit. Yeah, fuck, So they, man. Just, they just eradicated... Eradicated. They just eliminated all of yeah. the... Uh, yes, so they were um, portrayed by Bolsheviks as class enemies. And that culminated in the Soviet campaign of political repressions, arrests, deportations, and executions of large numbers of kulaks and their families between Kulak. 1929 to 1932. So then the famine came about. And some people argue that the famine in Ukraine and Kazakhstan were was a genocide committed by Stalin's government. So he oh. targeting ethnic too. Ukrainians and Kazakhs. While um, some dispute the relevance of any ethnic motivation. Because genocide is sort of like... Well, yeah, you're going, right, we're going to get rid of them. Yeah. It, it uh, seems yeah. like... And, like, yeah. and they, they... So some dispute the fact that it was an ethnic motivation and focus instead on class dynamics. Um, I mean, that he definitely did. <laughs> he never went, right, Yeah, they're gone. Um, well, yeah. yeah, like, why attack working class people who own stuff? Mm. That's bizarre, isn't it? That That's is... very Tory... It's I I I'm it's I'm still kind of my head is still like sort of even just trying to wrap itself around the idea. It's like rapid industrialization. You did you did know there's going to be an after effect of that, which is that <laughs> people are going to go hungry, right? And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Everybody's rich. Yeah, no. Like, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're rich, but everyone yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, me, ah, me, me, yeah. rich. <laughs> That's what I meant. Everyone, me. The Holodomor is mm. what it's known as. The Holodomor genocide question. Like it's still a it's still a debate happening now, really. Right. It's whether or not it's trying to determine whether or not it was an ethnic genocide against Ukrainians. Um, so when I so like uh, three point three to three point nine million Ukrainian people died in it, which is a large portion of actually how many people died overall in the Soviet Union. Yes. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people they don't question the fact that Stalin was responsible. But some are questioning whether or not it was an intention to kill them deliberately. Mm. Ah. Okay. I, either way, it was uh, dreadful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's shit either way you slice it. I think it. we can safely say that that famine was B.A.D. <laughs> it was definitely not ideal. Um, <laughs> Where does Gareth come into this? Yeah, how does Gareth side into this uh, yeah. picture? In March 1933... Gareth had already been to the Soviet Union twice before, but only like for three weeks in the summer of 1930 and for like a month the following year, 1931. And he had reported the findings of each trip in print. Three articles titled The Two Russias were published anonymously in the Times in 1930. And then they got more and more explicit about what was going on. Also published anonymously, titled The Real Russia, again in the Times which right. reported the starvation okay. of peasants in the Soviet Ukraine and southern Russia. So he was sort of reporting on what was building, but he yeah. was doing it anonymously. And then in March 1933, he travelled to the Soviet Union. So he'd been in Germany the month before, mm-hmm. while Hitler rose to power. And then in March, he went to the Soviet Union. And on the 7th of March, he eluded authorities to slip into the Ukrainian SSR. And he kept diaries of the man-made famine. That he was watching. Holy shit! In, wow. Unfold in front Whoa. of him, and then, and then on his return to Berlin on the 29th of March, he issued his press release, which was published by many newspapers, including the Guardian and the New York Evening Post. Mm-hmm. He did not do it anonymously. He was the first Whoa. Western journalist to report the devastation that was happening. Wow! Fucking hell! Wow!
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I can't imagine that would make you very popular in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. bloody hell. Yeah. Shitting hell. I imagine yes. that as soon as soon as that hit the presses or so, as soon as it hit the stands, yeah. I was like, right, here we go. Let's fucking He was the first journalist in the Western world who reported without equivocation and under his own name the the existence first of all of the Soviet famine, but then also like explicitly that the reasons for it. I'd fucking give this guy a high five, shake his hand yeah. and then hide him in my basement <laughs> because like I don't want him to die. I yeah. feel like so, he's gonna. But um, yeah. So yeah, like I say, he'd reported anonymously on it b- before the two previous visits. Yeah. And then the third time, he issued the press release under his own name, describing the famine in detail. Mm. Fucking yeah. nuts, man. Mm. So how long between that and, like, what happened? I mean, that's a big... This was March 1933. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry. We're, I didn't tell you what happened to him or when, but we'll get to it. Oh, um, I, fe- I feeling we will. So yeah, this is this is a direct quote from his press release that mm-hmm. was published in both the Guardian and the New York Evening Post and a lot of other newspapers. I walked along through villages and 12 collective farms. Everywhere was the cry. There is no bread. We're dying. This cry came from every part of Russia, from the Volga, Siberia, White Russia, the North Caucasus and Central Asia. I tramped through the Black Earth region. Earth it's region. very hard for us to conceive yeah, of how big Russia is. Oh yes. my God. I could never like, quite get fucking, my head around it. It covers basically <clears throat> half of Europe and the whole of Asia. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. Not, it's it's a, yeah. ridiculous how big it is. Because yeah. like the Gobi Desert bridges... Um, it's like the ga- like the, yeah. is the border of it is Russia, and that's, <laughs> like yeah. the bottom, the and, top and of it that's is Russia. Talking yeah. about Russia now, like yes. the Soviet yeah. Union was bigger. Oh my <laughs> god! Yeah, bigger. then you you go all the way down. You've got Georgia, Ukraine. You go all the way down to the the like Serbia and all those. Oh, yeah, it basically yeah. was. I mean, in those days, it really was half of Europe. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, I tramped through the Black Earth region because that was once the richest farmland in Russia, and because the correspondents had been forbidden to go there to see for themselves what was happening. In the train, a communist denied to me that there even was a famine. I flung a crust of bread, which I had been eating from my own supply, into a spittoon. A fellow passenger fished it out and ravenously ate it. Jesus. I threw wow. orange peel. I threw orange peel, and the peasant again grabbed it and devoured it. <gasps> Wow. The communists was he just testing to see what he'd eat like when I gave my mum's horse pop rocks I threw my shoe <laughs> wow. in there uh, yeah. uh, I stayed overnight in a village where there used to be 200 oxen and there were now 6 the peasants mm. were eating the cattle fodder and had only a month's supply left they told me oh that many had already died of hunger two soldiers came to arrest a thief they warned me against travel by night as there were too many starving desperate men we are waiting oh. for death was my welcome but see <gasps> we still have our cattle fodder go farther south there they have nothing. Many houses are empty of people already dead. Whoa. 
American journalists living in Moscow, some of them like denounced that report, but they'd been obscuring the truth in order to please the Soviet regime because they were living there. They were so living the there new... as not not reporting to their um, American counterparts, just Wasn't living it, there as no. There were Mo- Moscow resident American journalists. Uh, mm. So, for example, on the, oh on the 29th of March, nineteen thirty three. Gareth Jones issued that press release that got published. On the Mm -hmm. 31st of March, a couple of days later, the New York Times published a denial of Jones's statement by a Moscow resident American journalist, Walter Durante, under the headline, Russians hungry, but not starving. And it basically said that Jones's report was just a big scare story. Oh, right, okay. Now, don't... Um, a, A historian named Timothy Snyder since wrote that Durant's claim that there was no actual starvation but only widespread mortality from diseases due to malnutrition echoed Soviet usages and pushed euphemism into mendacity. This was an Orwellian distinction, and indeed George Orwell himself regarded the Ukrainian famine of 1933 as a central example of a black truth that artists of language had covered with bright colours. Wow. Kremlin sources denied the existence of a famine, and part of the New York Times' headline was Russian and foreign observers in country see no ground for predictions of disaster. It's so like Russia's this interesting thing, isn't it? Like that, where they kind of they hold this idea of their strength being in telling that everyone's like, everything's fine, everything's fine. We can't show them right. that it's, we're weak, kind of like what they did with Chernobyl. It's like they're like, just tell the world everything's fine. It's like, no, you fucking, your whole nuclear power plant has exploded and is, is You're turning puking. people into soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's puking nuclear waste into the atmosphere, and people Literally. are, yeah, are, yeah, they're turning into fucking goop. Like, you gotta tell somebody so that we can mm. fix this. And they're like, nah, nah, just tell everyone everything's all right. Uh, yeah, My job's at stake. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. On uh, uh, so a few, barely a fortnight after that, uh, Gareth Jones then published a detailed analysis of the famine, and it mm. pointed out its main causes, so like the collectivization of private farms, which is. That that would have been, I guess, communism in action, which is like property is theft, so it's not yours anymore. It's everyone's. it's ours. It's, it's everyone's. Um, and then they removed six to seven million kulaks from their own land, forced requisitions of grain and farm animals, and increased the export of foodstuffs from the USSR. But they have. Um, do they even have enough food to export? This is nuts. I guess yeah. if they're exporting it, they're not feeding their own. Or, I suppose so. Um, yeah. This is also a quote from. Jones's detailed article. Mm. Uh, what are the causes of the famine? The main reason for the catastro- cat- catastrophe in Russian agriculture is the Soviet policy of collectivization. The prophecy of Paul Sheffer in 1929 that collectivization of agriculture would be the nemesis of communism has already come absolutely true. Like it feels like this is like this is definitely the fast track to them, which obviously happened, and where the ruble has become completely worthless. And it's like it just feels like you're saying it, and I'm like. Is nobody behind the wheel? Does nobody know what's going on here? This is insane. Like it, it mm. yeah. It feels like like that shopping trolley thing. It feels like they are careening yeah. towards disaster, and everyone's like, yeah. "It's fine. It's Don't fine. It's fine. It. It's all good. It's all good." Yeah. I mean, not careening towards disaster. They're in the middle of a, a shit house on fire, and yeah. everyone's going. It smells so, delicious in here. And so yeah, then a month after that, Jones had issued his press release. Durante had like, denied. Den- yeah, denounced it. Denounced in it, his yeah. own article. A couple of weeks later, Jones publishes his detailed account of it. And he's the first guy to do this under his own name, by the way. It's not like... Yes. Because he'd already published it anonymously. I think a few other journalists had published anonymous articles. He was the first person to go on record as himself and say, this is what's happening. Yeah. Um, were those announced in any way or were they just like... Because they were well, anonymous? I guess like they don't need to because I think maybe this might have influenced... And I'm 
speculating, but that might be why he'd done it under his own name because it's easy to denounce, like it's easy oh, to it's just sweep an anonymous yeah. article under the carpet, isn't it? Yeah. A month after he detailed his experiences, he then also published a strong rebuttal of Durante. Or Durante. I don't know how you oh, pronounce yeah. that surname. I'd say Durante. That feels Durante. right. Durante. Durante. <laughs> Let's go with that one. That sounds like fun. So he then went after Durante and stood by his report. My first evidence was gathered from foreign observers. Since Mr. Durante introduced his consoles into the discussion, a thing I am loath to do, for they are official representatives of their countries and should not be quoted. Mm. May I say that I discussed the Russian situation with between 20 and 30 consuls and diplomatic representatives of various nations and that their evidence supported my point of view, but they are not allowed to express their views in the press and therefore they remain silent. Journalists, on the other hand, are allowed to write, but the censorship has turned them into masters of euphemism and understatement. Hence, they give famine, the polite name of food shortage, and starving to death is softened down to readers' widespread mortality from diseases due to malnutrition consoles are not so reticent in private conversation so now he's saying he's spoken to officials and they're like we're fucked yeah but we can't say anything yeah, yeah. shit uh, and because of this in a personal letter from the soviet foreign commissar maxim uh, litvinov jones had interviewed him while he was in moscow by the way uh, so litvinov right. wrote a personal letter to david lloyd george and in it jones was informed that he was banned from ever visiting the soviet union again oh, oh. no now this may this might seem like a great career move for him as an investigative journalist. Yeah, it feels like this is your you know you, this is it. You write the book and then it's like. Boom. Well, no, because he was uh, not blacklisted, but after writing these articles under his own name, the only work Gareth Jones could get then get it was in Cardiff on the Western Mail covering arts crafts. Ah, oh, why me? Arts and crafts. I, and I... And and around this time, you know, there's a whole war going on. About, yeah. You know, there's mm. there's a lot of political turmoil. People aren't talking about arts and crafts. It's not like yeah. we're in peace times here. But yeah. then, oh, when are we? Um, the nineties, and that was it. And then nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> while he was in while he was in Cardiff writing about arts and crafts for the Western mm. Mail, he got an interview with the owner of a castle that was nearby called Saint Donald's Castle. Do you know who owns St. Donat's Castle? I don't no. imagine you do. No, I can't. Well, actually, no, you do know who owned it. You just don't know that he owned it. Um, right. The owner Zed's of St. Donat's Castle. Zed? Oh, that would have been a great callback. Wouldn't um, it be amazing? But no, it was. <laughs> He's dead. American press magnet, our friend, William Randolph Hearst. Oh, oh shit! Oh. So the... Look, it's the cane from Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Hearst then published Jones's account of what had happened in the Ukraine. Um, but he also did the what, same in the National Enquirer and everyone's like this is bullshit <laughs> he also did the same for uh, like an almost identical eyewitness testimony of disillusioned American communist Fred Beale and then arranged oh, right. a lecture and broadcast tour of the USA wow. oh yeah because this would have been like I, I imagine that's exactly why he snatched him up he's like communism there's American communists get on board mm. and they, they absolutely would have mm. yes yeah. yeah and now look we link the two yeah <laughs> yeah but holy um, shit! So, so he was booked a, a, a nationwide tour of the states. Yeah. Oh wow. Wow. Bearing in mind he was banned from the Soviet Union, he couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. But now his career had taken a little bit of an upswing thanks to Randolph Hearst. Yeah. Um, he turned his attention to the Far East, and in late 1934 he left uh, the UK uh, on a round-the-world fact-finding tour. He spent six wow. weeks in Japan interviewing important generals and politicians and then eventually he ended up in Beijing and from there he travelled to Inner Mongolia 
because at the time, or a little bit before, mm-hmm. uh, the Japanese had invaded Manchuria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there he went to Inner Mongolia, uh, but he went with a German journalist called Herbert Muller. Mm-hmm. He was detained by Japanese forces along with Muller, and they were told that there were three routes back to the Chinese town of Kalgan, but only one of them was safe. Oh wow! Oh, oh. they didn't tell them which. And it's exactly like, oh, how fuck it's like show. Russian roulette, but with directions. Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's crazy. They were like, oh. "Yeah, you have to go back, but I'm not telling you which way." Tell you oh which my way. god! It's literally that sort of like, there are three doors. Yeah. One <laughs> person will tell you a lie, the other person will tell you the truth. <laughs> like, okay. Just imagine, yeah, seeing like three paths and like one of them is sunny, the other two are like stormy and cloudy and you're like, no. let's go for the cloudy one. That's the one you least expect. <laughs> Following that, Jones and Muller were then captured by bandits. Oh. So they 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 chose poorly. The bandits demanded a ransom of two hundred Mauser firearms. Mauser's a German arms manufacturer. Yeah, for mouse. So yeah, they wanted two hundred. We want two hundred mice. What? Don't question us. We want mice. They asked for two hundred firearms and ten thousand one hundred thousand Chinese dollars, which was equivalent to about eight thousand pounds. Okay. Oh shit! That's still a lot of money. That's a fucking. That's a lot of money. Muller was released after two days to arrange for the ransom to be paid. Okay. On the first of August. So I assume this is 1935 by now. You just, you just see Muller like pulling the, pulling the, flipping the bird. Like, see you later, you fuckface. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, on the first of August. So we're in 1935 now. Jones's father received a telegram that read, "Well treated. Expect release soon." On the fifth of August. The Times reported that the kidnappers had moved Jones to an area 10 miles southeast of... Am I saying this right? Kuyan? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's it's in China. Occupies mm. the southernmost section of the region. Uh, the Ningxiahui Autonomous Region of the People's Republic. That was very good, Chris. Oh. Really. That, that Like, I'm not being facetious. That was good. That was good pronunciation. Solid work. Uh, I don't speak Cantonese either of the Chinese dialects. Or, don't um, you? No. Because Mandarin. you just did. Yeah, yeah, sounds like you just did, Chris. Sounds like you did. Yeah, fluent. On the 5th of August, the Times reported that he'd been moved and that the kidnappers were now asking for 10,000 Chinese dollars, which is obviously not 8,000 pounds, but 800 pounds. I mean, that's back then. 800 pounds oh, yeah. seems like nothing for a ransom these days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 800 pounds, please. Like, uh, 800 okay, pounds could... and three Twixes. <laughs> oh, I, oh really oh, come with me to the cash machine we'll get it now yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm not going to wire it to you, for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then apparently two days later it was reported that it had been moved again um, on 8th of August uh, <laughs> and they wanted the news came, 300 Chinese uh, dollars well no yeah. this, this is interesting the news came that the first group of kidnappers had handed him over to his second group they were like we can't get rid of this guy <laughs> <laughs> and the ransom increased back up to 100,000 Chinese dollars again the Chinese yeah. and Japanese... talking about Russia and it's boring the shit out of us. Somebody please take them <laughs> off. The Chinese and the Japanese governments, they both tried to contact the kidnappers. Yeah. And then, on the 17th of August, 1935, oh. the Times reported that Chinese authorities had found Jones's body oh, no. on the 16th of August 
with three oh bullet wounds. My oh my god! Authorities believed that he had been killed on the twelfth of August, which was, if you remember from the beginning, the day before his thirtieth birthday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So obviously he got done in. Yeah. Uh, it could have been because he genuinely got captured by bandits on an yeah. unsafe route back to uh, Kalgan, but. There's suspicion that his murder was actually engineered by the uh, the Soviet NKVD. Mm. Is that a precursor to the FSB or whatever the Russian... Is it FSB? Is the Russian secret the service? The KGB. It was the, the KGB, but then there's also... It's evolved into something else now, isn't it? It's oh, like... right, now. The NKVD was the People's Commissariat for Internal Affairs. It was the Interior uh... Ministry of the Soviet Union. Oh, okay, yeah. It was the agency right. that was originally tasked with conducting regular police work as well as overseeing the la- uh, the, yes. the, the Soviet uh, Soviet Union's prisons and labour camps. Um, um, yes. It was disbanded in 1930, but it was oh. reinstated in 1934, so it was around... Oh, shit. Point. Okay. Okay. Huh. Uh, yeah. What is so, the FSB? Oh, am I, maybe I'm making that up. The FSB. It feels like a Russian thing. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, there's some suspicion that the murder was engineered by the NKVD as revenge for the embarrassment he'd caused the Soviet regime worldwide. Oh. Okay. And there's a quote here from uh, Lloyd George, because he apparently said, that part of the world is a cauldron of conflicting intrigue, which we know because it ultimately led to the Cold War. Cause yes. It, yeah. It was a very secretive country. Mm-hmm. Um that part of the world is a cauldron of conflicting intrigue and one or other interest concerned probably knew that Mr. Gareth Jones knew too much of what was going on. He had a passion for finding out what was happening in foreign lands wherever there was trouble and in pursuit of his investigations, he shrank from no risk. I had always been afraid that he would take one risk too many. Nothing escaped his observation and he allowed no obstacle to turn from his course when he thought that there was some fact which he could obtain. He also oh. had the almost unfailing knack of getting at things that mattered. Mm. And they didn't like it. No. Mm. Flew too close to the sun, he got boined. Yeah. That's a, that's a fucking shame, man, because I really like yeah. Gareth. I really like that he's out there just doing that. Yeah. And then... I bet he, like... I bet he had a woman in every port. <laughs> yeah. And they'd be like, Gareth, maybe you could stay a while. Yeah. He'd go, don't try to change me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but what if you don't come back this time? I'll come back, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to Aberystwyth University... Mm-hmm. There's a plaque to him. Oh. That's in three languages English, Welsh, and Ukrainian. Oh. Um, oh, wow. What? And it says, in memory of Gareth Richard Vaughan Jones, born 1905, graduated from the University of Wales, Aberystwyth, and the University of Cambridge, one of the first journalists to report on the uh, Holodomor, the Great Famine of 1932 to 1933 in Soviet Ukraine, uh, placed in his honour by the Ukrainian-Canadian Civil Liberties Foundation with the assistance of the Ukrainian Autocephalus Orthodox Church in Great Britain, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church of Canada, the Ukrainian-American Civil Liberties Association and the Association of Ukrainians in Great Britain. Mm. Oh, and then in, uh, that, that plaque was unveiled in 2006 and 2009. His diaries recording the genocide went on display for the first time at Wren Library in Trinity College, Cambridge. Yeah. Cambridge. Okay. Oh, fucking A. Was he done in, I guess, is the... That's the mystery. Yeah. Um, was it the Was it the Chinese bandits? Oh, my goodness. Or was it the the, uh, the Soviet Union? Do we know what KKB. bullets he... Like, from the gun? Or do we not know that? Uh, if they were a standard issue of the... Yeah, it just says bullet 
Um, uh, uh, bullet wounds. Mm. So yeah, technically it's an unsolved murder. Yeah. So, there was another journalist that reported on the famine. Mm. Again, like Jones, published articles anonymously, and then I think I think he did start putting his name to it, but wasn't the first one. Like Jones, Jones was yeah. the first one that sort of like did that. But this journalist, you'll have heard of him as well, was Malcolm Mugridge. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who famously. I mean, even though he did all of that, he's famously known as the that cunt that John Cleese and Michael Palin came up against in the debate about Michael yeah. Palin's life. Yeah, I mean, this oh, yeah. is obviously like a later. That was later in his career. Mm. Yeah, nineteen seventy nine. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I. I do think that they. I don't know. I think the bandits did it, and then they. The Russian government's God. like, we did it because I. It feels that feels like a very, in terms of like a, a flex, for them. It works in their favor to go. Oh yeah, well, we did that. Yeah, we fuck. Don't fuck with us because we'll find you yeah. and we'll kill you. They probably forgot about him. They probably like you know they got all. The, un- unfortunately, they've got all other horrible shit that they're doing, being yeah. nasty during World War Two. They're not going to be like, oh, we should probably find that Gareth Jones guy. He might be. Should we? It's a. I feel like it's I, a crazy one. I feel like he. They may have kept sort of tabs on him, and then when he died, they went. Yeah, let's put our, let's say that we right. did it. I, that's my theory, personally. What do you think, Chris? Um, we've spoken before about how like conspiracy theories tend to be absolutely bollocks. Mm. Yeah. But the whole point of this series is meant to be sort of like war and espionage under. Yeah. It's all quite murky things. and yeah. Yeah, and it isn't outside the realms of possibility that governments would have somebody killed. No. Uh, hello. Yeah. So I don't think it's that much of a lean and a conspiracy theory to think that they wouldn't want him dead. Yes. Yeah. I just don't think they'd engineer it this way. No. It would have been clumsier. They would have cut his hands off or something. You know, they would have, yeah. Or like they wouldn't have banned his visits anymore. And they would have come in and got got him then. I I suppose then it would have looked suspect. But it seems strange to get him to... Be kidnapped by bandits. Indonesia. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, like, go do this fucking run around where he's, he's swapped from person to unless person. Unless they had Muller, who was the German journalist, unless he was a spy for them, who sort of, like, engineered the whereabouts and kept reporting back, and they were able Could to... Could be. The whole thing is really plausible. And, and, yeah, he was the first journalist that brought this to worldwide attention. Yeah. So it did cause a great embarrassment, I guess, to the Soviet Union, but would they care about a couple of articles in the West? about them right yeah that, that's sort of where my head lies is that they'd just be like ah, so honestly I, I honestly I, I don't know yeah the cool version is that he shook the largest country in the world and the, to see what coconuts would fall from the tree and one of them hit him on the head yeah. <laughs> the Soviet Union Hmm. went after this one Welsh journalist. Like, right. <laughs> when you when you say it like that, it's like, yeah. that does seem a bit... I, d- I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like either way, he did great work in of course, highlighting yeah. the plight of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, did the Soviet Union do him in, though? I don't know. Yeah, it what feels like... What do you like... think, Suze? Yeah, what do you think, Suze? Oh, my God. I mean, this is one of those things where it's going to be whatever the truth is, it's going to blow your mind. Mm. And we don't know what it, the truth is, which yeah. is kind of a cop-out, it's isn't it? It's very convenient. I just don't know. It's yeah. very, it, this is the thing. Like, it's very convenient that the journalist who, under his own name, mm. revealed what was going on yeah. two yeah. years later ends up murdered. 
It's, it's, this is it. Yes. Yeah. He was in yes. the prime of life. He was 29 years old. He was about to turn yeah. 30. It's not mm. like he didn't die of old age, didn't die of natural causes. He was mm. shot three times. And the yeah. kidnapping is, yeah, a freak event. But mm. he's also could easily be orchestrated as a yeah like a smokescreen for what actually happened yeah like you could say like oh well yeah he got kidnapped it's like no he could he could have just been kidnapped by the russian government from the start and then they said yeah and then set up the smokescreen of oh you've got to look at Mm. you've got to look at patterns of behavior so is this something that the russian government i guess the proto kgb were doing at this point Mm -hmm. does this does it look like the sort of thing they were doing it doesn't sound like it does. Yeah. Is it, oh, I think it's because they're, they're pretty open, aren't they? Like when, when Russia wants somebody dead, they literally shoot them in the street. And then, yeah, like, well, and we didn't we're do it. Like a long way. You know, but, yeah. Yeah. We'll probably get into it as we approach, uh, as we approach 2022 in this. Mm. But, it's yeah. like the whole thing about the Novichok poisonings and Litvinenko. Oh my god! And... and they're kind of unsolved, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And Russia and that behave. That whole story is crazy. Russia behave really shady now. Yeah. <laughs> but so, the, uh, it, yeah, that was they so kind open. of seem to run elections, and I don't know how yeah. they do it because they're not one of the richest countries in the world or anything. Yeah, and they, yeah. yeah they, uh, uh, they sort of like tamper, tamper with election results and all of this. Yeah, so. it's just so uh, open. I think that's the thing that gets me. Is like, yeah, they killed uh, what's his chops, and they're like, a lot, Corbin. And they're like, yeah, we killed him. And everyone's like, well, so yeah. you did it. And they're like, no, we didn't. And you're like, but no, you can't yeah. just, but you, but you did. Like, no. I, yeah, I watched a thing recently on the Salisbury poisonings. The whole thing is crazy. Yeah. And also it's, I mean, I, I assume we'll do an episode on it, mm. but the amount of people who ought to have died from that is insane mm. compared to like the, the amount of lives lost is very low. Mm. Yeah. It could have been. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, died. it could have been yeah. horrific. Absolutely. Yeah, and it just doesn't look like an accident. But they, but every time they ask, it's like, oh, we just look at some churches. You fucking poisoned people, don't it? It's so like, weird. Yeah, the, it's creepy. Like yes. the Novichok poisonings creep me out because there's something so suburban about it. Yeah. And also, like how Novichok poisons you is bizarre. Like the symptoms of being poisoned by it, you like fit and go in and out of consciousness and vomit. But in a really odd way, like you're frozen and your eyes what? are frozen open yeah. and stuff. It's so bizarre. That's, yeah. The witness it's... accounts of finding this father and daughter on this bench are s- such a weird reading. It's, um, it's quite odd they yeah. pick a, 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 a particular poison that does have mm. that kind of really... Yeah, it doesn't just extreme... send you off to sleep. Yeah, it's not something like... Mm. And again, this is, I'm, I'm trying to say this as light, tread as lightly as possible, but it mm. adds to the, the theatric nature of Russia's <sighs> kind of, you know, wanting to get rid of people. It's this thing of mm. like, we did yeah. it, but we didn't do it. And it's like, but you and did. What, what was, yeah, yeah, what was his name? The dude, Livinenko. Livinenko, yeah. yeah. That was f- over 15 years ago now. God, it was, wasn't it? And, um, yeah. Uh, the, more recently, the leader of the opposition just thrown in jail and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And we just kind of, it's just a footnote in this country. That's the story of what happened to Gareth Jones. Mm. He was played by James Norton. What? There's a movie! There's a movie called Mr. Jones. 
it focuses on Jones and his investigation and reporting of the famine in the face of political and journalistic What's it called, opposition. the film? It's called Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones. Take a letter, Mr. Jones. I regret to Always inform you. That's a song from Blood Brothers. And it's Miss Jones, not Mr. Jones. There is also a documentary from 2012 that was broadcast as part of Storyville, so it might be on oh, iPlayer. I bet oh, it shit. will. Okay. It's, called, it's called Hitler, Stalin and Mr. Jones. Oh, well, Hitler, fuck, Stalin, I'm in. Mr. It's Jones. been uh, Yeah, so it was shown on the BBC in 2012, but it's subsequently been screened in select cinemas as well. So I wonder if it is on iPlayer. If it is, let me know because I fancy watching it. And Mr. Oh, Jones. I'm in. I, it, it'll be somewhere. Just hey there, Mr. Jones. <laughs> I'm so glad that you've got bones. <laughs> Make sure you put that in, Chris. There's a song at the end. Yeah, Your fans love in. that. It's going. <laughs> that's it. That's the uh, that that's, that's the story. That's story. Uh, so yeah, we've got we this, and also it tells you how, where where Russia is at this point. Yes. Yeah, doesn't it? We started this season in Russia and then kind of drifted away from it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And then we're uh, and a lot happened in the meantime. So this is where Russia is right now. We know where Germany is right now. <gasps> this Ooh. is amazing. Well, thanks so much, Chris. That was super awesome. Yeah. Maybe next week we'll find out what's happening in Spain. Oh. <gasps> you know where to find us. We're on Twitter. At Mystery on the Rocks, spelled R-O-X. Because Twitter don't have enough characters, baby. No, thank you, um, said Twitter. Um, you can find us on Patreon, um, patreon.com slash Mr. on the Rocks, spelled R-O-C-K-S, where you can join and find all sorts of great stuff. You get the episodes early. You get a little bit of some extra content. Yay! And um, the fantastic shirt that Suze is wearing. If you have Patreon, you will already see Suze wearing the shirt. So yeah. get Patreon. You can and see if you're on Patreon, bra. chances are you've probably already got, got the shirt yourself the shirt. anyway. Mm. Yes. Um, but if you're like, I don't know about this t-shirt, then you can see it and then you can get it if you sign up. But also on Patreon, our bonus episodes are some of our best episodes. Yes. My so mum likes the bonus episodes more than our actual episodes. <laughs> do you know how much she loved the episode where we talked about uh, where we went away overnight on school trips? Oh, did she oh, like that's that? the most recent mom, one. That was very Yeah, fun. my mum was absolutely losing her mind laughing. She thought it was so funny. Is that I still, when I spoke about the... Uh, yeah, the, the bus the driver. The bus driver. Stand and Bowers, yeah. I still think Kev. about that bus driver. I still think Kev about him. Was re- yeah, but yeah. you know you what? Bastard. lost to comedy you by the sound of it. Bastard. You bastard. <laughs> you bastard. Yeah, no, but Sue's got the right Velsa because <laughs> the teachers were from the Midlands. You bastard. You, you bastard. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> And just just picturing him running down the fucking hallway. Chris at Standon Bowers with his favourite bus driver, Peter. We all loved the bus driver. <laughs> Everyone, loved <laughs> Everyone loved Kev. Kev! Oh, Kev. Give it three cheers for Kev. Hip, hip, pedo. <laughs> so if you do want to hear that story, you can get it on the Patreon. Go on a Patreon. It's oh. worth it. I'll be honest. You get all the cocktail recipes. Yes. You get f- occasionally you get like funny little weird things that you wouldn't expect to see yeah. like weird little videos that we've done some video like clips mm-hmm. uh, uh occasionally some sort of like fake movie posters with femme fatama yeah. suit ah yes I've yeah those. I've thoroughly and you get all the episodes a couple of days early yeah, yeah. Obviously, nice. without adverts and obviously yeah. we also have like outtakes occasional minisodes so you get all oh, sorts yeah. of great, if, if, great and stuff. a few other little bits and pieces as well so yeah it's uh, if you well like it. it's always sunny in philadelphia or succession or both then you will love the Mystery on the Rocks Patreon. Absolutely. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. And thank you to... <gasps> Bye! Bye.
if people know that when I have a deep intake of breath, I'm going to say bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.